Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you can join me on today's program. Well, we started Philippians last week, and I am not gonna lie, it's one of my favorite books. Last week, talked about the Apostle Paul. He is the most amazing person to advocate for grace. Like if you were to ever make an argument that someone could earn their salvation, Paul's of the right lineage, he's of the right class, of the right education. This man is above and beyond any of us, but yet he was a champion for grace because he understood that he was as dead in his sin as anybody else, and he serves as an inspiration to all of us to embrace God's grace and to share that with others. But more importantly, we talked last week about his detour. For most of us, we've all had a detour or two in our life where we had our plans and we thought that we knew exactly what we're supposed to do. And he was headed straight to Asia until he was interrupted and rerouted to Macedonia. And yet he did so obediently A common theme in the book of Philippians is joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy comes from God. And we see this wonderful work penned from a prison that just teems with joy, the joy of the Lord, that regardless of his circumstances, Paul exudes this even in the face of opposition and danger. And so it was a great start to this wonderful book, and I know we're going to jump in on chapter one next week, but I'm still a little bit in the biblical backgrounds because what's fascinating about the Bible is when you can read it in its context, in its historical narrative, and look at what was happening around it, it adds richness in the ability to interpret it in our daily lives all these years later. And so today we're going to be remaining in Acts chapter 16 and looking at this amazing beginning of this first ministry in Europe. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to pick a team? I don't care whether it's sports or some other club. When you pick teams, you're always thinking to yourself, we're going to pick the most talented, the most capable, the most experienced people And we're going to put together this dream team and we're going to go and raise money and we're going to get it done because I've done church planning in my life. And one of the things they'll do is you'll assess and you'll build your team and you will be able to put your plans together. You'll do your market research and determine whether or not that community needs a church and you will put your dream team together. You'll raise money and you'll go in there and you just can't fail, right? Any church planner who heard me just say that is probably laughing hysterically because we all know that this is an inexact science. And what is inspiring about the Philippian church is it kind of defies convention. In Acts chapter 16, we see the first three people, kind of the bedrock, the foundation of this Philippian church, this first European church. And I'm not sure we would necessarily pick these team members on purpose. But nonetheless, God can do anything with anyone. 
And we see this happen in uh, Acts chapter 16. Let's, let's take a look. Picking up verse 14, a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Friends, that is what you call a person of peace. And every missionary, every church planter, every person who's doing evangelistic work is always blessed when we find a person of peace. And Lydia turns out to be that kind of person. In review of what we just read, we find out that Lydia was professional class. She had some distinction. She was a worshiper of God, and she listened to the gospel. She had her eyes opened by the Lord. She was baptized, and so was her household, and she opened her home. This is a beautiful story. And also, you have a person who she sold purple. She was professional. Pastors think of professional class people as difficult to reach because they're more sophisticated and skeptical. Yet that did not stop Lydia. God rises up a faithful follower, an influential member of this fledgling church. Then we go on to look a little further in chapter 16 at the next convert. Strategically, this next person brings little value to a church. When you pick up in verse 16, you see, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. I don't know, friends, if you've ever been annoyed with anybody. But he turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out right away. Now, this puts him at odds with her owners because they can no longer turn a profit. But one of the things I wanted to make sure we look at is we look at the, the power of sin, but we also see the power of Jesus' name. Casting that demon right out of that child changes that child's life forever. Friend, do you have anything in your life? If there's ever a time where you wish, where something just has hold of you, God can heal you and redeem you and move you in the right direction. But again, what we are dealing with is someone who is vulnerable and our churches need not neglect the vulnerable. Our churches need not neglect people we look at and say, this person doesn't really bring value to our programmatic church. This person makes us a little uncomfortable. I think there's times when people that make us uncomfortable help us grow because I've never seen a comfortable person really grow in their faith. And so I think that there's this amazing opportunity as we see life transformation in the life of this child and how anybody can be one to Christ. Finally, as we go on to verse 25, we see this amazing miracle that happens that leads to the deliverance and the faith of our third individual. 
It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and prisoners were listening to them. Keeping in mind, they're in prison. And again, that is the joy of the Lord. When you're singing in prison, that means that circumstances do not define your frame of mind. The God does. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Friends, this is a powerful story. I think to myself, what would I have done in that same situation? I mean, I'm in jail, the doors flung wide open. To stay like that, I feel that takes a lot of faith. But what I think is amazing, you're seeing the power of God move, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And friend, he was saved. Even a jaded jailer such as this man could find faith in Christ. As I look at this particular account, I think to myself, which of these people do I most identify with? First of all, you had Lydia of Asian descent, wealthy. Paul reached her with his words, with her intellect. He met her intellectual needs, and that led to her spiritual conversion. The next lady was a slave girl. She was Greek. She was poor. They reached this young lady through deeds, through healing, for meeting that felt need that only they could, and in so doing, showing her the grace of Christ and creating that hunger for a relationship with God. Finally, we have the jailer, he's Roman, blue collar, and he was led by example. When that man saw those prisoners still in that jail with a wide open door, that deeply affected him. None of these people make a lot of sense as church members. The wealthy woman is a typical aristocrat who's got better things to do than deal with matters of faith. The slave girl sometimes could feel unworthy and rejected by the church, and even have feelings of hostility. The jailer, how many times have we seen in that blue-collar world just the skeptical attitude towards church? But yet this man was brought to his knees by the mercy and the power of God. And friends, this is the team they got picked to put the first church in Europe. I know that church planters might chuckle at that or missionaries might chuckle at that, but God does amazing work. In fact, it's been thought in Philippians chapter one when he says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Among others might have been to these three people as he got to watch them grow in their faith and do amazing things for God. Friend, I'm grateful that Paul can reach such different kinds of people. I am so grateful that the gospel reaches to all kinds of people in every situation, in every socioeconomic area, of every philosophical stripe. God is there. 
the gospel is there and it reaches all. Friend, today, what is your felt need? Is it words? Does Do you need to search scripture and satisfy your intellect? Are you like the girl who is finding yourself in dire straits and you just need some godly compassion? Or the jailer, are you just someone who is tired of watching Christians be hypocrites and you just need to see someone whose walk matches their talk? Friends, today, perhaps you're the person who's listening to this program, hoping not to see one of these three people at church this weekend. At times, we can feel like we deserve our faith more than others, that for some reason, it took more grace to save them than us. Friend, let me remind you that the gospel can save all. No one is beyond the reach of the grace of Jesus Christ. And if he can redeem restore and use these individuals. He can use anyone. And our relationship with God is our privilege. We need to also be mindful to be looking for these people in our community. The next version of these people might be in our schools, our businesses, our neighborhoods. Never disqualify someone at first look about who could be impacted and used by God. Be open and looking for people and making sure you're meeting those felt needs so they in turn can reach others for Christ. Friend, the gospel is true for all, and you can just reach out for it at any time. You can also check out my blog at loseyourself.life for more information. Friend, it's going to be a tremendous study starting next week in chapter one. Uh, I just wanted you to have the proper context and background as we look at this powerful book, I'm looking for this to be life-changing, not only for you, but those who tell about Christ. Once you get the gospel in your heart, it's hard to keep it to yourself. Friends, thank you for joining me, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.